wonder if you all will, would you mind to help me do something? Um, the holiday season in the church world is usually a season that is um, so busy because it is a, it's a national holiday. Um, and there's a lot of culture, as you all know, that is att attached to the holiday season here in the United States. However, I want us to remember that the reason why it's such a big deal for us in church is because the roots of the cultural holiday are rooted and grounded in a spiritual holiday, a spiritual celebration. So because of that, the church is traditionally so active during the holiday season, and we are and we will be active. And so one of the things I want you all to help me do today is I want to say a premature thank you to all of our audio, visual, and lighting technicians that their, their schedule is ramping up. Can you help me say thank you to all of our AVL crew? We've got guys in the booth back here. And just through that wall, you can't see them, but up in the control room, there's control room technicians, audio technicians, people that are handling our online stream. And so I know that you guys are watching and listening to me all across the building. I want to say thank you to all of our AVL techs for being willing to uh, host us and to help make the holidays a special time for us. And then the second group of people I want to say a premature thank you to is our praise and worship team, uh, our band and our singers. Can you... Okay. Okay, that was mediocre. I love you, but that was mediocre. Listen, y'all, I'm coming back from vacation. I'm ready to have church, okay? So I'm going to try one more time. The same people who brought the absolute heat this morning, our praise and worship team, our band, and our singers, can you help me say thank you to them for all that they do for us? You know, and I'm sure many of you, uh, I'm so glad she's been able to visit so much uh, recently, but we do have the great privilege and honor of hosting uh, Pastor Ashley's mother, Aubrey. She's here with us from the Bahamas. She's right down here. We want to say thank you. Thank you for being with us during the Thanksgiving season. I tell you what now, she, this lovely lady, she just saw snow for the first time in her life this past week here in Oklahoma. I really, I feel a little bit sorry for her. She has left the great paradise of Nassau to come here to the frozen prairie, it would seem. So we're glad that the home is full of love and warmth because our prairie sure is not at the moment. And so we are coming into the holiday season and there's some things that I wanna ask of you as a pastor. And so I want to speak to our home church, our home congregation about something this morning. Uh, way back in May, I was asking the Lord, Lord, uh, I'm happy to pastor the Gate Church. I would appreciate if you would tell me exactly what it is that you want me to do so that I don't mess it up. And one of the things that I felt so strongly that the Lord wanted me to do and he wants us to do together as a congregation is to make sure that we make time and take time during the holiday season to celebrate, to think about, to consider, to sing about, and to preach that he gave us the marvelous gift of his son. And that is cause for tremendous, outrageous, 
rowdy and reflective celebration that our God has not abandoned us. In fact, he is doubly committed to us through his son. And so here's what that means to me in practicality. We are slowing down our calendar a little bit. We're still going to have our Sunday services. We're still going to have a blessing service. We're still going to have a Christmas Eve service. But I want you to please make sure that you spend time with your family. Spend time with your family. Turn the TV off and set the phone to the side for a moment. Eat, drink some coffee together. Eat breakfast together. Husbands, take your wives out and spend some time. I know it's busy. I know there's so much to do, so much to get ready for. We're decorating and we're cooking and we're uh, you know, having to buy gifts and all that. I know it's a season of strain financially for many people. But here is my admonishment to you as a congregation. Let's not become distracted or lost in the busyness of the season. Let's really remember and be intentional to spend time with one another, to love one another. And let's make time and take time to love and reflect on the goodness of our God. And so, um, if you will, please be in prayer with us. Please stay tuned. Please walk with us through this holiday season. Don't, Don't disconnect stay connected let's walk in love towards one another and let's pour out our love and our gratefulness onto our God for his goodness towards us amen and we just one other very small admin detail that I want to make sure everyone is aware of I wanted to be able to tell you myself uh, but we are relocating our church offices on this campus so many of you know that our church offices were just over here uh, just to the south off of Council Road uh, there's a building there we've been um, housed in and so I have made the decision to relocate our offices into this building and so just behind me up here on the top floor there's some space there that we have um, moved our offices in there and so you probably notice on our giving slide that there was a change of address and so our our current address is 7700 North Council and so all your mail and your communication will still be the same as normal we just want to make sure you change that address and if you need to come by the office you want to see us you want to schedule an appointment or whatever the things are you may need uh, you'll be able to come onto the campus as normal and literally directly behind me through this wall uh, there is our easternmost entrance here. And so usually you'll see some cars there, but that will be now the new office, the new entrance to our office. I just want everyone to be aware of that. We felt it made more sense for us since this is the holy place and the sacred place. That's the place where we wanted to work. That's the place where we wanted to spend our time and give our attention to. And so this is where we have moved to. Does that feel okay? I know admin details put you in a little bit of a funk and it makes you a little bit sleepy so just you know shake it off a little bit you know uh, as you as I've just said many of you know that uh, Holly and I we have been away in northern Georgia my hometown there and uh, for anyone who's watching or catching this on a rerun if you're part of my home church East Gate Church uh, in Hiawassee, Georgia. If you're watching us this morning, we just want to say that, Holly and I want to say that we love you. And I want you to know that the Gate Church loves you all. And so thank you for being so kind to us while we were in Hiawassee. But now I got to say this for my Oklahoma City Church. I love my Hiawassee family. I will always. But guys, I left to come home a day early. I did. I got in my little truck and I put the pedal to the metal. I could not wait to get back to Oklahoma City. 
I could not wait to get back to Oklahoma City. I was texting Ashley Neely, and I said, I cannot wait to be home. We better be ready to have church. And so uh, I'm, Holly and I are so glad to be home. There is nowhere on planet earth that I would rather be this morning than standing right here, able to spend time with you in God's presence and in God's word. Thank you. So you all know we've been in the middle of a sermon series. We started out with pyramids and people, understanding that the dynamic that was taking place in the book of Genesis and Exodus where the people of Israel, God's chosen people, they found themselves as slaves to a Pharaoh. They were giving everything that they had, the, the money in their pocket, their relationships, the sweat of their brow were all for one purpose, and that was to build the kingdom of Pharaoh, to build the nation of Egypt. And God looked down, and after 400 years, he delivered the people through a man named Moses. And uh, as we read all through the book of Exodus, God is endeavoring to have a relationship with his chosen people. And his relationship has a purpose. You can't have relationship with God and not be going somewhere because God is always going, moving, growing, and expanding. He's always moving forward. Even when it looks like God's moving backwards, he's actually just getting ready to step out and to move forward. And so the people grappled while they were in the wilderness. They struggled with this dynamic of we're free from Egypt, but we haven't got the Egypt out of us yet. And so the last I was able to share with you, we discussed that the people of Israel were right at the border, right at the edge of their promise. And by their own admission, they were afraid. And so they decided that, no, God is not enough. We're afraid. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we would rather stay here in the wilderness than enter into the promise that God has given us. And so God does something pretty bold where he says, okay, guys, I love you all. I'll still, I'll, I will stay faithful to you all. I will keep my word. I will be here. I'm not going to abandon you. But because you have rebelled against me, because you have rejected me, because you didn't have faith in me that I was God enough to get you into the promise, you all are going to have to die in the wilderness, and I will wait on your sons and daughters who they will rise up. They will rise up, and they will have faith, and I'll take them in. I need to remind somebody today that you can tell God no a few times. You can tell God no a few times, but eventually God's going to start looking around because he's got others that are willing to go in. And I don't know about you, but I believe that the Gate Church is a group of people that we are ready, willing, and able to step up, to step out, to trust God that we can have and we will have everything that he has promised to us. And so we're going to be reading this morning from Joshua chapter 6. And so there's been so many great things that have happened. God has had a personal one-on-one -on -one encounter with Joshua, the general, the man who took Moses' place. And I find it so fascinating that Moses had a burning bush experience where God called him. And Moses was given a staff 
But then Jesus appears in the Old Testament as what theologians would call a Christophany or a Christophany, however you want to pronounce it, but it's a, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And he, he appears as the leader of the Lord's army and he's holding a sword. And so I find it so amazing that Moses had an encounter and he got a staff and then Joshua had an encounter and he got a sword. I don't know that I have a lot of answers for that, but I find that fascinating. And I do think this, that one of God's patterns is that anytime he wants to raise people up, he wants to start having encounters with people that he's calling out and calling up to be leaders. Some of you, some of us can't forget that. I believe there's some people that God is drawing you. He's pulling on you. He's whispering in your ear and you're saying, what is this? What does this mean? I believe that there's people in this church that God is call, calling you out. He is calling you up to have an encounter with him because there's more than what you imagine. There's a promise. There's a promised land that he needs you to help lead others into. And so after this holy encounter with God, the people are ready, the supplies are ready, the horses, the camels, all, everything is ready to go to war. And then we pick up the story in chapter 6. Their first stop in their way, the first major obstacle was the city of Jericho. Many of us are familiar with this story and with this city. Jericho was famous in this regard that its walls were so thick that they would hold chariot races along the edge of the wall. Now, I don't know about you. I know very little about horses, just enough to be dangerous. But if I was going to strap two together and hook them to a wooden cart on two wheels with no brakes, I'm going to want a really wide wall to ride my chariot around, especially if you put three or four of us together to race one another. I'm going to want a really wide wall. And so what is the significance of this wide wall? It was a projection of their power. It was a sign of their security. It was an indicator that no one is going to be able to take this city. So we pick up in chapter 6. Jericho was surely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All your men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast from the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. If you don't mind, could I pray just briefly? Holy Spirit, I ask that you use me this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you anoint me to teach and to preach. And Lord, we all here together as sons and daughters, we make the conscious choice to open our hearts to your word. 
Lord, I'm hungry today. Lord, I want to receive from you today. Lord, I want to be nourished on the bread of life, on the bread of your word. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you cause these scriptures and this story to come alive. And Lord, I put my eyes on you, my hope in you, and my trust in you and in your word that you will do what you always do, that you'll use your word to cause life to happen in the hearts of men. And pyramids and promises speaking of how God has moved us from a place of captivity and that he's endeavoring to move us into a place of promise. But just for conversation's sake, I'd like to title this sermon today, Watch Me Walk. Watch Me Walk. Look at your neighbor. Come on now, help me out, Pentecostal Church. Look at your neighbor and say, Watch Me Walk. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to go for it this morning. Is that okay? I'm going to trust that you're with me and that you're hanging in there and that everybody is good to go. All right, so I want to hit point number one right on the nose. We've already read the scripture. Joshua and the Lord, we assume they're speaking together. Joshua is surveying the city and the nation of Jericho, the people of Jericho. And so many of you know that uh, Joshua sent across the river a preemptive reconnaissance party. He didn't send 12 spies this time. He learned his lesson from the old days and he just sent two. <laughs> he sent two men into the city to spy it out. And um, can we just call the Jericho people, can we call them Jerry's? Is that okay? Okay, so the Jerry's got wind that the Israelites had sent some spies into the land and the men who were on reconnaissance being the savvy operators that they were, they took shelter and they were hid in the house of a prostitute. Her name was Rahab. The scriptures use the biblical word is harlot. And so she was a lady of the evening. She was downtrodden, used and abused. And I find it so interesting that it was the woman who was being taken advantage of by the Jerry's that she is who was willing to offer refuge to spies from what is presumed to be an enemy. And so those men come back with the report that this is a fortified city. We don't have a mechanism. We don't have an instrument of war. We don't have missiles, bombs, artillery. We don't have F-18s. We don't have catapults. And we definitely don't have Tom Cruise to fly any of it for us. What are we going to do? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to imagine if I was Joshua, the man who was like a father to me, Moses, he was my mentor, my leader. We'd been on the mountain together. We'd been in the presence together. We'd fought battles together. He's now gone, and here I am, me and my brother-in-arms, Caleb. We are the only two men left from a previous generation, and I'm old. I thought I got a little more amen from my veteran saints right there. I'm an old man and I've been believing and I've been fighting my whole life for God's people to have and to inhabit this holy, sacred promise and I've not seen it. I'm growing old and I feel like there's less and less gas in my tank. I can't move quite like I once did. Now, I've never been a, a warrior, particularly with a sword, and I've never been 80, but there's something about being around 80 and being a man who has to fight with sword and shield and spear. Those two things don't seem to go together. 
Can I get any 80-year-olds to wave at me? Come on now. You say, <laughs> my veterans are saying, don't give me no sword and shield. I'm done with all that. Let me operate from wisdom, not might. Amen. And so if I'm Joshua, I'm feeling a little diminished, but I also feel this pressure. We have come so far. We have come so far. We have waited and we have waited, and our first obstacle is a massive one. You ever been walking with God and you feel like you're on a journey and you feel like things are going well, but then you bump up against the very first obstacle and you kind of scratch your head and say, well, God, could we not have started off with maybe something a little more easy? I mean, even when we teach kids to ride a bike, we put some training wheels on there and let them get a feel for it. And if they get off balance, you know, it's not the end of the world. If I was Joshua, I'd be like, hey, God, uh, can, we get, can we get like a training wheel battle? You know, something that's a little easy or maybe I get to be Moses now and I get to go up on the mountain and hold the stick and the other young guys get to go do the fighting. Maybe could we just do a repeat or a rerun? I need to let somebody know today that God never changes. The essence of who he is is unchanging. However, his patterns are always changing. Something that is miraculous about God that is difficult for us to comprehend or understand is that he's always doing something new and he's also always doing the same thing he's always been doing. So we sing the song that he has never lost a battle. And I do want to remind you today that God has never lost a battle. As a matter of fact, his victories are so sure that to even call them a battle is to downplay his ability to win. To say you could battle God would be to insinuate that you might have a chance of beating him. But I need to remind somebody today that God is sovereign. I'm going to try over here a little bit. God is sovereign, and that means this, that he will give you time and space that you can make decisions and play the game a little bit in the meantime. But guess what? Because he is sovereign, a thing will end the way that he says it is supposed to end. And it doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if you prefer it. It doesn't matter if you picked it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. All that matters is he said, this is the way I want it to be done. And so I want to remind some promised people this morning that if God said it, he will do it. If God said it, he will do it. There is no enemy. There is no obstacle. Oh, I'm going to preach right here. There is no family member. There is no boss. There's no professor. There's no person that can stop you or take from you the promise of heaven. There is no demon. There is no enemy. There is no sickness. And there is no politician that can stop you, stand in your way, or get you off the course of the final destination that you can live in, the promises of God. The only person who can stop you or slow you down is you. I'm going to tell you what our enemy fears the most. He doesn't look at you and your talents and your gifts and tremble. He doesn't look at how handsome you are and tremble. He doesn't look at how nice your hair is or how perfect your nails may be. He doesn't look at how smart you are. He doesn't look at how much money you have and tremble. 
But our enemy, when he looks at us and when he sees they have a heart that is fully towards God and they are willing to see something beyond what their eyes are telling them, he starts to tremble in his boots. And so I find it so amazing that Joshua is beholding the city of Jericho. He knows there's a promise. He knows I am supposed to take that city. He knows that that, that ground belongs to God's people. The scripture says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I know this, that when the government paves roads, those are my roads. When they create the internet and email and build airplanes so that we can travel and get the gospel around the world, Delta can charge me for a ticket if they want to, but they built them airplanes so that the good news of the gospel can go all around the world. And so what looks like is locked up and shut down, the Lord says, see, I've given it to you. Now, you can look in your Bible. I've got the New King James right there. And if you look in your Bible, right behind the word C, there's an exclamation mark. Is that what your Bible says? Because that's what my Bible says. And here's what I believed God was doing. I think that uh, Joshua was a soldier in his heart. He had the disposition of a soldier. And so he's studying the strategy and the terrain. And every good soldier is a bit skeptical and shrewd because they know that recklessness will equal lives lost. And so he's looking at this city, and I can imagine he's going, I don't know how we're going to get that one. And then he's kind of, you know, he's debating and figuring, and I can just see God kind of leaned up on a tree beside him. He's like, see, I've given it to you. Can't you see it? No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Point number one. If you want to overcome Jerichos, you want to overcome obstacles, and you want to live in your promise, the first thing you have to learn to do is see. We have to learn to see. You say, what does that mean? What are you trying to tell me? Our body and our flesh is our ticket to participating in and living in a natural created world. But here's what's amazing about the human soul is that the human soul is like a bridge between a natural world and a spiritual world. And so your brain works in this way. Your eyeball gathers in rays of light, different frequencies create color, the sensation of color in the eye. The image is bounced around a few times. And then your brain takes that image and it tells you what you are seeing. And so if I locked you in a room your whole life and I showed you the color red and I said, that's blue, that's blue, that's blue, that's blue. And then I turned you loose into the world and I've showed you a brand spanking new red Corvette. And I would say, what do you think about this car? And you'd say, that's the most beautiful blue Corvette I've ever seen. And the other guy standing beside you said, are you crazy? That's red. But why? Your, your eye is seeing the appropriate image, but your brain is giving you what? a fact based on past experiences. And so here's what happens for believers. Imagine you're Joshua. Remember, you're not new to this. I've been doing this for some time. 
and you show up and you see a walled city that is shut down. Nobody coming in, going out. Walls so wide, they're racing chariots around it. And God stands beside you and says, see, I've given it to you. If you listen to your past experiences and you use the past as a reference for what is possible in the future, you will find yourself wanting every time. And so let me make it practical for you. There are some people in this room that you are married and you've been believing God for a renewal in your covenant, a renewal in your marriage. I don't know about you, but I like my marriage to be like Elvis and John Mayer had a love child. Red, red Corvettes, pink Cadillacs, and buzzing like neon. It's electric. She walked in the red room this morning. I said, little mama, you looking all right today. The way that outfit is matching, you got me wanting to play house. You feel me? Does anybody feel me? Any married folk out there, you feeling me? You single folk, we praying for you. We praying for you. See, I'm seeing a few people waving at me. Okay. Now you know it ain't like that all the time, right? And sometimes you go through them difficult seasons. The tide is going out, it feels like. And you're believing God for a new season, a fresh season, a rejuvenation. And you're looking with your eye. And you can't see it. Because what are you remembering? Every time they disappointed me, they hurt me, they left me, they didn't say the thing, they didn't do the thing, they forgot my birthday. Whatever the things are that are your things, I don't know. Every time you look, if what you do is remember the pain, the wounds, the trauma, you will have a hard time seeing that God has in fact given you the thing that you're asking for. We have to do the same thing in the relationship with our children. Listen, having kids is hard. When they're little and they're babies and they're onesies and they smell how they smell when they come out of the bath, you're just like, oh, this is great. I love you. I've got my little nephew. He just turned one last week. And he's so precious and he's a cute kid. He, he looks a little bit like my side of the family. So he's a really cute kid. And you know what? He's so wonderful and amazing. But then when he doesn't get his way, <laughs> and don't you know that that dynamic continues as the kids get older, but they start eating more. They start costing more. They got more attitude. They've got a bigger vocabulary. They still pout and whine and scream. They just do it with their words instead of screaming. You know what I'm saying? And it gets hard. And then sometimes kids don't do the things that we've taught them to do. Sometimes they do forsake the example that we've tried to set. They don't listen. They go with that one that we said you shouldn't go with. They, they choose a major we didn't want them to choose. They go to a different university than what we want. They get a job that we think is below what they're capable of, and it puts a strain on our relationship. And I got some parents in the room. The Lord told me this specifically for some of us. You're going to have to quit remembering all the bad things. And you're going to have to learn to see what God is trying to do. Just because it looks like it's locked up and shut down doesn't mean that it is. Don't you give up on those precious babies of yours. Don't you quit praying. Don't you quit believing. They might be running around. You may not even know where they're at while I'm preaching right now. But you know what? You can't give up. you got to continue to see that God will do what he said he will do. If God's been faithful to Jordan, if God's been faithful to you, then guess what? 
but he will be faithful to your babies. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. And he is the God of Jacob. He will not abandon or leave your young ones behind. Don't you stop believing. Amen? And so what do we do? How do I get past seeing and relating to things because of my past, because of past experiences? You have to to learn, we have to learn to see with this, not this. And so it was Jesus who said that those who have a childlike faith, or there's children there, he says, faith like one of these. Those are the ones who will see and inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so here's what you need to know. You have a superpower. You have a superpower, and that superpower is you have the ability to connect with, to touch, to hear, and to see a supernatural world that your eyeball can't see. But how do I see it? You see and you hear with this. You're in this room today because on some level, you have believed in a man that you have never known. You've never seen him with your eye. You've never touched his hand. You've never heard words come out of his mouth. But with the first time you heard someone tell the story of the gospel, that there was someone who loved you so perfectly, he was so perfect in his love and passion for you that he went to a cross and he paid a price so that you could be free from the penalty of sin. And he loves you so much that he busted open the doors of eternity so that you could know him and he could know you not just today and not just tomorrow, but every day from now until the end of time. What happened in your heart? Something in you said, I believe and I know that that is true. What happened? The truth of the gospel, the power of heaven reached through the spoken word. And then something in your heart reached out and said, I believe that that's true. You can't see it. You didn't hear it. You weren't there that day on Calvary. But when they told you the story, your heart reached into a spiritual world and grabbed hold of a spiritual truth. You prayed a prayer of salvation and it became yours. How many, of you believe, how many of you remember the first time you said that sinner's prayer? I got any saints in here that remember when you were touched and when you were filled by heaven. I don't know about you, but I felt electric. I remember exactly where I was, what was going on in the room, and the man who led me. I remember it clear as a bell. What happened? My heart was able to access an unseen World, I was able to see into something that my eyes would not let me see. Matthew chapter 19 verse 26 says this, With man this is impossible, this is Jesus speaking, but with God all things are possible. I come to let somebody know today, you have been staring at your Jericho. You have been listening to the reports of spies who are coming back and saying, yes, the walls are thick. And you have been measuring their height and their width. And you have been reckoning and you have been reasoning. I don't think I can do it. But I need somebody to hear me today at the gate church that God has in fact given you your promise. And there is no city and 
there is no obstacle that can or will stop you as long as you are willing to believe the report of the Lord. When God says, see, what do we say? Yes, Lord. Some of you got the diagnosis paper laying on your kitchen counter. You need to go home and look at that thing and say, I see something different. When you get into tension with your spouse, excuse yourself and go into the restroom and look in the mirror and say, I am going to see something different in them than what I am seeing with my eye. When you go to the job and you're trying to get ahead and the boss man is grinding you into the dirt because of the holidays, go into the restroom, go into the storage closet, go to the tool trailer and you get with yourself and you say, I see see something other than what my eyes are telling me. Oh, I wish somebody would help me. If you want to see walls crumble, the first thing you have to be willing to do is see. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. I'm going to be transparent with you. The preacher's got his Jericho too. I'm a man just like all the rest of us. Put my britches on the same way you did this morning. You know what I like to do? I ride laps around this campus and I look at the parking lots. And they're empty during the week. And I ride and I go, I see, I see, I see, I see parking lots full. I stand on the Wilshire Hill and I look at the road and I see police officers having to direct traffic so people can get in and out, it's so busy. I see the gymnasium lots full. I see the parking lot full on Thursday night when there's band practice because people just want to be in the presence and listen to worship going out of this house. I see our internet feed views going up and going up and going up because the gospel is going through the internet to the ends of the earth. I listen, I stand in the office and what do I hear? The phone ring and the phone ring and the phone ring and why? Because I see it, I see it, I see it. I believe that this congregation is here for such a time as this. We are a chosen people placed in our promise. Our destiny is that we will bring the gospel to this city, to this nation, and to the ends of the earth. And I may be looking at 400 with my eyeball, but I'm believing for 4,000 because I see it. I see it. I see it. And I know that if God said it, then I can do it. Y'all, excuse me, I had to preach to myself for a moment. Point number two, let's move very quickly. Let's jump down to verse six. And so we see that God gives Joshua the battle plan. March around the city and be silent. For six days, you're going to walk one lap around the city. On the last and final day, you're going to walk seven laps. At the end of the seventh lap, the priests are going to blow the ram's horn, the shofar, and when the people hear the horns blow, when they hear the horns blow, what do we want you to do? The scripture, the Old Testament, the King James language says a mighty shout. Now watch this movie one time where they were training Marines to be Marines and the drill instructor says, let me see your war face. You know, and these young guys are scared half to death and they go, no, that's not going to cut it. I said, let me see your war face. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to stir you up. 
They're trying to put you in touch with a part of yourself that says, I will put it all on the line to win. And so the way I personally read this scripture, you read it how it feels right for you, but this is how I read the Lord telling Joshua, I want the people to shout with a mighty shout. He was saying, let me hear your war cry. Let, this is a people, we've lived in the wilderness long enough. We've lived on manna long enough. Oh, that's good preaching right there. I am tired of the same old, same old. I'm tired of walking around the same old mountain for her. Let me see your war cry. Ah! Like Jean-Claude Van Damme. And, you know. ah! What does Joshua do? He immediately turns in verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests together, and he said to them. He repeated to them specifically, this is what God said. Now, I, wanna, I just want to let you in on a secret. Joshua is a great man of faith because no one has ever blown a trumpet at this point in history. No one has ever blown a trumpet and given a war cry and city walls fell down. So here's point number two. Orders, not opinions. Orders, not opinions. Listen, if you want supernatural victory, you're going to have to lay reason and logic to the side. Because there is no law of nature that will cause the shout of a nation that will cause stones to crumble and to fall. And here's something that you need to know that's very important. It says this, that the walls will fall flat. Here's what that means. There's not rubble and piles of rubble we have to crawl over. It means the walls went, they just fell down and we just walked in. Uh, there, was, there was one spiritual person caught what I just said right there. And so here's what you need to know, that when God gives you an order, when God gives you a strategy, don't negotiate, don't deliberate, don't debate, don't call auntie, don't call mama, don't call cousin Johnny and say, well, I think maybe this is what God said. When you know that you know that you know that God told you, put on your big boy boots and step out and say, I'm going to get to marching. I'm going to get to marching. Joshua didn't delay. He didn't wait. He didn't call a war council. He said, get the priests in here. I got some orders that we're going to follow. You boys get your horns and strap your sandals on real tight because we're about to do some walking. You mean to tell me we're not going to build catapults and we're not going to build ladders? We're not even going to build a fancy uh, drum-like trampoline that we can <laughs> catapult into the wall? You mean we ain't got no plan except we're just going to walk around the wall? That don't make a lick of sense, Joshua. He said, get your horn and get your sandals. We're going to get to walking. I need to tell somebody all God is asking you to do is walk. All God is asking you to do is obey. They're standing up on the wall all looking at you trying to figure out what are they doing where's their swords where's their shields where's the trebuchet where's the trampoline and you're just walking and you know what I can just imagine walking around the walls of Jericho 
And I could just hear the Jerry's up on the wall hurling insults, talking about my mama, talking about how short I am, talking about how I'm not educated, talking about the neighborhood I'm from, making fun of me. And now what do I got to do? I just got to walk. What was the order? Be silent. And your flesh is in you. You're looking up at that wall and you're saying, if I could climb that wall, I'd sling you off of it, Jerry man. Once you come down here and get a taste, Jerry man. But no, what did God say? God said, be silent. And so you just got to walk. You just got to keep walking. You just got to keep going. I need to tell somebody today, you're doing the thing that God told you to do. Don't you quit now. Don't you quit now. You just keep walking. You just keep walking and keep trusting and keep obeying because I'm on orders. I'm not working on opinions. Here's a good way you can know that you're following God's orders and not somebody's opinions is because while you're walking, Something in you is getting stirred up. When I have learned this, that when I have followed the opinions of men, they will carry me for a little ways. But when the going gets tough, when the going gets tough, I start to falter and I start to fail and I start to feel pressured and stressed and I start to feel the, the burden and the strain of the obstacle because why something in me is saying this is not the right way. This is not God's way. The scripture says that the opinions of men will bring no life. I come to tell somebody you might be weary in your battle because you're trying to follow popular opinion instead of following the orders of heaven. Listen, guys, I love you all, but you can't go to the internet to figure out how to run your life. The absolute best place you can go to figure out how to overcome a Jericho is get in your prayer closet, get down on the edge of your bed, get down in your living room, turn the electronic off and get on your knees and and start crying out and saying, God, there is a shut up city that I know belongs to me. God, I need you to help me. God, show me the way. God, tell me what to say and I'll say it. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Tell me who to love and I'll love them. Tell me who to let go and I'll let them go. God, help me. God, give me some orders. I can't help but wonder what would happen in our city if there was a group of people that would quit searching the popular opinions of men and start going to a prayer closet saying, God, use me. God, send me. God, tell me what to do. God, put the words in my mouth. God, give me a strategy because God, I'm not looking for an opinion. I'm looking for some orders. And if I may, I haven't mastered this. Deep in my heart, I have a strong desire to help people. I really want to. The Lord is teaching me, and I am learning how to really help people. Because my logic thinks that if everybody would just do what I told them, the whole world would go great. Now, I know none of you have ever fallen into that trap. I know that none of you have ever watched Fox News one time and thought, these people, if they just do right, or if they'd call me, I could help them. I know you had never done that. Here's something I'm learning. 
my prayers for people work so much better than my opinions for them. Here is something that I am learning as a pastor is that every single person's journey is so unique and it's so perfect and custom tailored for them that every person in this room, your journey and what God is doing in you and through you are like little miracles. They're like little miracles. And so I contaminate or I pollute what God is doing when I put my opinion in it. And so maybe some of us would enjoy a deeper walk with God. We would enjoy a deeper connection with what God is doing in our brothers and sisters when instead of trying to opinion them, we just pray with them and say, man, I ain't got the answer and I don't even know if that makes sense, but you grab my hand right here. God, use this man, use this woman, be with them, walk with them, do everything in them that you are trying to do. I have learned that my prayers carry far more weight than my opinions. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Oh Lord, I fall short a lot. But here's something that I have learned with my lovely wife is when she says, I feel this way, she doesn't need my opinion about it. She doesn't need my logic and my reasoning. That's good preaching, ain't it? What does she need? She needs my love and my response. That's, that's very good. That's very good. You know what? Some of the best gift you could give for Thanksgiving season to your family members is to don't opinion everybody over the turkey. Listen and try to understand. That's good preaching right there. Listen, I'm trying to help bless you turkey. I'm trying to help bless the stuffing and the cranberry sauce. I don't care how good the turkey is when you're thinking about choking each other. It doesn't matter how good the turkey is. We're trying to get some supernatural Holy Ghost love in that room. You feel me? That feels good, don't it? Now, let's fast forward and then we're out of here. Now, the people carry out the command. They march around the wall one lap a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, they walk seven laps. And it says this, on that day, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now we're going to jump down a few verses to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man, and they took the city. Third and final point is that shouts, the shout is more powerful than the sword. I just blessed somebody right there. You might not be in Oklahoma City. You might be in the Netherlands. You might be in Africa. You might even be in Mexico somewhere. But if you heard what I just said, somebody got blessed. A shout is more powerful than the sword. Because how does a sword work? Swing. It's dependent on my ability to wield it. 
a sword in the hands of a three-year-old is dangerous. Danger. You don't want to mess with him. He might. He's going to conquer somebody. But what's it contingent upon? His ability to wield the sword. I come to tell somebody, you've been trying to take Jericho's with your effort, with your hard work, with your striving, and with your struggling. You've been trying to hold the world together. I'm going to prove everybody how perfect I am. You've been fighting, and you've been swinging, and you've been arguing. Do you know what happens when you get into a sword fight? I've only ever been in a few myself, so I'm not an expert. But when you're in a sword fight, that was a joke, y'all. I've never been in a sword fight. <laughs> when, you, when you get into a sword fight, it's like any other kind of fight. Guess what happens? In just about two to three minutes, you are exhausted. I believe that the church ain't getting nothing done because we're trying to swing a sword and we keep wearing ourselves out. We ain't even made seven laps around the city yet and we're exhausted because we're striving and we're trying and we're struggling. And guess what? I've already said it once. If you want a supernatural result, you're going to have to throw logic to the side. I come to tell somebody today, you are helpless when your mouth is shut. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. I need to let somebody know that what the Christian church is called to do is not forge and wield a better sword than the world that we are called to save. The Christian church is empowered. We are saved and we have within us a holy and sacred responsibility to show the world that it doesn't matter how big or mighty your sword may be. The shout of God in me and on my lips will cause walls to crumble. I come to let somebody know that the word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the word of God in his mouth and that if he said it, he will do it. There are some people you need to praise him on some credit. You're on lap number six. You're on lap number six. You're coming around the home stretch about to make lap number seven. And guess what? There is a moment within you before you take your breath, you go, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this makes sense. I've been trying and I've been struggling. I'm growing tired. I don't know what God's about to do, but I need Oklahoma City to hear me. If you will find your shout, if you'll take that breath, if you'll close your eyes and put your trust in the Lord, there is a shout, there is a sound, there is a scripture on your lips that it will cause walls to fall down flat. Oh, I wish some people would hear me and understand. Is there a way, God, that we can comprehend the power of his might on our lips? I come to tell you that the answer to politics is not arguing and backstabbing. The answer to government in this world lies in the shout of the church. 
There are 27 armed conflicts happening right now on this planet. The answer is not F-18s and bullets. The answer is the shout of the church. The world is in economic downturn. The answer doesn't lie in Merrill Lynch. The answer lies in the shout of the church. The earth is not groaning because of diesel trucks and airplanes. The earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God who will take their place, walk their lap, be obedient to God's word and not the opinions of men. And that while our enemies point at us, mock us, and jeer us. They find within themselves the faith to stand their ground and take a breath and shout because God has given you this city. Your shout is more dangerous than the sword. There are some of us, we have served and we have bled. We've walked through wilderness. I believe most of the people in this room, you're the type of people that you were spies that came back with a good report. You've done all that you can do. You've stayed faithful. You've served, you've given, you've carried out the command. But when the trumpet blows, that seems like the easiest part is to shout. I think sometimes it's the hardest. Imagine if you were the guy in the back of the line, and for a week you've been breathing dust. I've been to Jericho. You take my word for it, it's dusty. You're tired. But you got to find within you I come to tell somebody I can hear the rumble of stone I can hear the jingling of chains breaking I can hear keys unlocking doors. I can hear the squeak of doors that they've been closed for so long. When you open the hinge, what happens? It's all waiting on one thing. You. A wise man once told me that God will bless you, but he won't bounce your checkbook for you. God will give you the city, but he can't shout for you. There are some people in this room, what you need is a... I want to pray for some people today that you said, I haven't had that. I've not had the breath in me to shout one more time. I'm not even going to ask you to stand up. If that's you and you say, preacher, man, that's me. I'm kind of like the old song, I'm down to one last breath. You say, man, that's me. I need the energy. I need the juice for one more breath. I need the faith for one more breath to give God my shout. 
if that's you, just wave at me. You, you can do it really easy. Like, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point at you. I see you. I see hands. I see hands. I see hands. I see you. I see your friends. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Don't want anything from you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just bow your heads right where you're at. Lord, I pray for every person that feels like they're on their last breath. They're tired. They're exhausted. Maybe they're confused. Lord, I'm not going to fill in all their emotions. Lord, you see where every person is. But Lord, I release to them supernaturally faith, 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 faith. The power of the Holy Spirit to each one who is weary in their walk. So, Lord, I break the power of that weariness off of them in Jesus' name. Your word says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, I release a spirit of power to those saints that have grown weary in the walking. Help me pray right here, church. We pray over you online today. And you say, I'm growing weary in the walking. I'm dusty and I'm tired. And I need power and I need faith for one more breath. Help me pray right here, church. We're praying for you wherever you are in the world today. And we speak power to you. We speak life to you and the faith of Jesus alive in you to believe and to do all that he is asking you to do. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity. I'm not going to cheerlead you. I'm not going to jeer you. But there's somebody in here, you're believing God for a breakthrough. You've walked. You've obeyed. I can't blow a shofar. I'd blow it for you. But you need to shout. You need to shout. You need to open your mouth and you need to let the world, you need to let the circumstances of your life, you need to let them hear your war cry. Say, God has given me my city. God has given my promise to me and it's mine. Yes, sir. This man right here says, that's me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I said, I'm not going to cheerlead you. I wonder, is there anybody who will jump on their feet with me and take that breath and say, I'm going to give God my shout because I believe he has done it. Hey! 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 I've been walking and I've been walking. Hey! 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 Oh, don't you grow timid. Don't you grow timid. That's my city. That's my city. Hey! Hey! There's some people, God's healing you while you're shouting. Hey! I wish somebody would help me shout at cancer. Hey! Hey! I wish somebody would help me shout at poverty right now. Hey! I wish somebody would help me shout for marriages that are hanging by a thread. Hey! Hey!
I was thinking of this song earlier. You don't have to sing it. I was thinking about the shout and the victory. And this is how I feel. I feel like if I jumped, that I would just float. But we used to sing this song in the church of God that said, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. Oh, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. I come to tell somebody today, everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. You've been walking. You've been letting them watch you walk. You have shouted. I need to let somebody know you got Thanksgiving this week, y'all. I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Does that feel okay? Y'all feeling okay? I'm going to. Just give me a second. And I wanted to say this. Y'all stay standing. I promise I'm done. Joshua's orders were when you take the city don't forget the woman who helped us and she was a harlot she was a prostitute she was one of the enemy and here's part of the redemptive message of the gospel don't matter whose team you were on just matter whose team you on now I want to tell this church, and I want to tell Oklahoma City, and I want to tell the rest of this world, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've been doing. I don't care how you've been spending your time after dark. All you got to do is say, I'm getting on God's team. I want a part of the promise. You know what the scripture says? She lives in Israel to this day. Her babies, her mama, her daddy, her cousin, her auntie, her uncle, guess what? Everybody got saved because one broken woman said, I want to be a part of the promise. Can y'all help me do something? There is a world full of Rahabs that they've been abused, overlooked, taken advantage of, and they're not in here with us today. Their job wasn't, her job wasn't to march and to shout. She just had to wait and see the salvation of her God. Can I have some nation of Israel soldiers in this room today? Will you help me shout for the Rahabs that they aren't here yet, but there's a place for them? Hey! Hey! It don't matter who you are, what you've been doing. There's a place for you in God's house and in God's promise. Let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every hand raised. Lord, I speak a blessing over this congregation. Lord, I speak a blessing over our friends that are joining us online today. And Lord, I call them blessed. I call them filled to overflowing with the life and power of the cross and the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you feel each one to overflowing and that you cause them to have within them this week the spirit and the attitude of victory. I just speak an attitude and spirit of victory over every person today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Church, I love you. Holly and I love you. The team here loves you. We want you to go this week and be blessed. Don't forget, we've got our blessing service tomorrow night. I love you all. It's been a wonderful day. Go and be blessed.
Your shout will be greater, is greater, and always remain greater than your sword. It doesn't matter how experienced we feel we are, how great we think we can battle, but your shout is what will do it, will make the wall crumble. I don't know what you f felt when Pastor Jordan said everything was going to be all right. Remember this week, it's not going to be all right because your circumstances line up perfectly. Not because of the great things you see, but because of what you have captured in your heart, the promise of God. Keep marching, keep marching, keep going. And remember, your shout is greater than, this, than the sword. Hey, is what you do. And see the walls crumble. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. Have a great week. And we want to see you back again next week. Same place, same time. Have a blessed week.